Welcome to The Fastest Five Minutes, presented by Kroll & Mooring. We are your co-hosts for this edition, Peter Ayer and Monica Sterling, bringing you a bi-weekly summary of significant government contracts, legal and regulatory developments that no government contracts lawyer or executive should be without. And we start with the January 26th interim FAR provision, which was put out to implement Executive Order 14026, which increased minimum wage for certain federal contract workers to $15 per hour starting on January 30th of this year. This is essentially the FAR implementation of the executive order and the Department of Labor regs that we've talked about before. The rule applies to all solicitations issued on or after January 30th, new contracts issued on or after January 30th, new contracts with a prior solicitation awarded on or after March 31st, and existing contracts when there's an extension or renewal on or after January 30th. So those are the quick updates on that provision, and I'll turn it over to Monica for a GAO protest decision update. Thanks, Peter. Next up is GAO's sustain of Insight Technologies protest of the U.S. Immigration and Custom Enforcement's issuance of a task order for IT services to AP Ventures LLC, or APV. Of note, GAO found ICE's evaluation of the awardee's proposal unreasonable due to a material misrepresentation in the proposal related to key personnel. Insight argued that APV materially misrepresented the experience of its proposed project operations manager, a key personnel candidate. In its proposal, APV represented that the individual had required nine years of relevant experience with business process and re-engineering projects. But Insight presented GAO with the individual's LinkedIn profile, which listed less than five years of work experience, which fell below the RFP's minimum experience requirement for the position. GAO found that neither ICE nor APV meaningfully disputed the LinkedIn employment information, which showed that the individual did not meet the RFP's minimum five-year experience requirement. Accordingly, GAO sustained this material misrepresentation protest ground, finding both that ICE relied on the misrepresentation and that it was material because ICE evaluators explicitly cited as a reason for APV's higher ranking that its proposed key personnel had, quote, experience that exceeds the minimum experience requirements identified, end quote. So another chapter here in the ever-evolving key personnel case law saga. Thank you so much, Monica. Now two updates on data safeguarding in cyber. First, on January 25th, NIST released Special Publication 800-53A, Rev 5, and the title of that is Assessing Security and Privacy Controls in Information Systems and Organization. That provides a methodology instead of assessment procedures to verify that the controls are implemented, meet stated control objectives, and achieve the desired security and privacy outcomes. A major objective of the publication is to provide an assessment framework and initial starting point for assessment procedures that are flexible enough to meet the needs of different organizations while providing consistency in conducting control assessments. NIST explained that control assessment results provide officials with evidence of effectiveness of controls, indication of quality of risk management processes, and information about the security and privacy strengths and weaknesses of systems that are supporting organizational missions and business functions. Second, on January 20th, DOD published version one release four of its cloud computing security requirements guide. 
the guide outlines the administrative, technical, and physical security controls and requirements to be followed by contractors providing cloud services to DOD. The first update in almost five years, this release does a couple things. It reduces the differences between FedRAMP and DOD requirements for cloud services. It updates the requirements for cloud services handling PII and PHI. It introduces the possibility of higher authorization levels for cloud services offering DOD physical rather than logical separation from other tenants. And it clarifies guidance with regard to cloud access points through which a cloud service connects to DOD's network. The guide instructs contractors currently providing cloud services to DOD to transition to the requirements in release four as soon as practical, but not later than one year after the publication. Contractors interested in providing cloud services to DOD should certainly be prepared for an assessment against these new requirements as release four became effective upon publication. Monica, back to you. On January 26th, the DOD's Defense Innovation Unit, or DIU, released its fiscal year 2021 annual report, highlighting key performance metrics, descriptions of commercial solutions, and feature portfolio project vignettes. Now, it's in its sixth year of existence, and the DIU reported significant growth and improved key metrics across the board. So, for example, during fiscal year 2021, the report notes that DIU delivered commercial solutions to DOD end users, including commercial threat data, cyber asset inventory management, cyberspace deception, installation of counter-unmanned aerial systems, generative modeling of hypersonic missile trajectories, and responsive launch capabilities. The DIU states that it experienced growth across nearly all of its key performance metrics, including efforts to strengthen the national security innovation base, such as publishing 26 solicitations for commercial solutions, which represent a 4% increase from the prior year, receiving over 1,000 company proposals, representing a 10% increase from the prior year, and issuing 72 prototype OTAs to commercial companies, which represents a 31% increase from the prior year. The DIU also reported an increase in its talent pool, which allowed the DIU to, among other things, integrate almost 5,000 individuals and 180 early stage ventures into the DOD, and expand its regional network team, adding 11 new university program directors and designated Tier 1 and Tier 2 research institutions. The DIU goes on saying that it transitioned eight programs into full production, turning prototype deals into follow-on contracts awarded by a military department or DOD agency. This is up from previous years, which on average transitioned six technologies per year. The report also discusses DIU's mission to bridge DOD's goals with commercial interest by adopting commercial technology and delivering cutting edge capabilities to military services, combatant commands, and DOD agencies. Looking forward, the report notes that DIU will continue to help DOD procure life, cost, and time-saving commercial technologies, as well as leverage acquisition alternatives to facilitate speed, agility, and scaling. So a lot to unpack here and the potential for increased efficiencies and processes on the DOD IT side of the house in the future. Thank you very much, Monica. And we will wrap it up with that. This has been the Fastest Five Minutes brought to you by Kroll and Mooring. See you again in two weeks if you have any questions about these items. I can be reached at 202-624-2807, and Monica can be reached at 202-624-2549. Thanks for joining. The Fastest 5 Minutes podcast is brought to you by Kroll & Mori LLP. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, and if you enjoy our show, please leave us a review. 
You can find more information at kroll.com slash govconpodcast.